I should have bounced someone up. You got it from here? Yep. Not my first all-nighter. I said, raising my coffee mug. Great. Keenan will be here to relieve you in the morning. Call me if you need anything. I flashed Mike a thumbs up as he turned to leave. Oh, and Jeremy? He paused, his back still facing me. Whatever you do, do not disturb the mannequins. Couldn't explain why, but a shiver rippled through me as soon as the words left his lips. How was that supposed to be? Okay, got it. Good. Best of luck to you, kid. He whistled to himself as he departed, the noise growing more distant as he sauntered down the hall. And then, I was alone. Left to my own devices for a whole eight hours. I leaned back in my swivel chair, surveying the monitors one last time before pulling out my phone and opening credits. Get paid to listen to music and read scary stories all night? Count me in. I mean, nothing happens in an empty mall after closing, right? Wrong. As I plopped down in my seat, third cup of Maxwell House in hand, I caught movement out of my periphery. I groaned. Of course, my first night on my own, and some stupid teenagers had probably broken in. Well, I was right. Camera 5 showed two teen boys and a girl dressed from head to toe in black, creeping down the empty hallways. I scoffed. What were they even looking for? All the stores were locked up tight. I leapt to my feet. I knew their exact location. I could cut them off if I was quick enough. I bolted down the desolate corridors, past rows upon rows of vacant brick-and-mortar outlets. A chill undulated through me as I ran. This place looked different at night. I felt like I shouldn't be here, like something sinister lurked around every corner, between every nook and cranny, waiting for the perfect opportunity to pounce. I attempted to steady my breathing as I reached the staircase. There they were. If those little thugs thought they could get past me, they had another thing coming. I tiptoed behind them, quiet as a church mouse, accidentally eavesdropping on their conversation. Man, I might not be the most upstanding guy out there, but I don't meddle if I don't have to. How much further, Marcus? This place gives me the creeps, the girl said, her eyes darting anxiously from side to side. Should just be up here on the right, the shortest of the boys responded. Cool. Everyone remember the plan? Marcus and the girl nodded. Okay, let's just go over it again. To be sure we have it right, you know? Nate, you forgot, didn't you? You've always had a horrible memory, the girl teased, earning her a spiteful glare. Oh, shut up, Lainey. You're only here because Marcus has a crush on you. Even in the dim moonlight, I could see that both of their cheeks were blossoming with color. It filled my heart with a strange sort of nostalgia. Honestly, it almost made me forget why I was there. Almost. Uh, I... <laughs> that's not true, okay? Just tell me what you think the plan is already. Marcus hopped, staring at his feet. Fine, but just for the record, I know you're both lying. So you two lovebirds go to Dillard's to find your brother, while I run this way to set off an alarm to distract that dumbass security guard. Then, hey, who are you calling a dumbass? 
I clasped Nate and Marcus by the shoulders and spun them around. The terrified expressions painted on their faces sent a smug grin inching across my lips. Suddenly, white-hot pain shrieked through my cheek. I was seeing stars. Those little shits had sucker-punched me. Without a word, they darted away, leaving me rubbing my throbbing face. I quickly regained my composure and shot after them. I didn't know what I was going to do when I caught up to those three, but I did know that they were never going to set foot in that mall again if I had anything to do with it. We all sprinted like Olympic athletes. I was fueled by rage. As for them, fear. I was rapidly gaining on them. Ten feet, eight feet, six feet. I was almost able to reach out and grab them. Then we came to an intersection. Without hesitation, Nate and Laney took a left while Marcus swerved right. I had a split-second decision to make. Ultimately, I reached the conclusion that two was better than one and hung left. I smirked to myself as I again began to close the gap. I knew that hallway. It led to a dead end. Give it up now, you assholes. I'm feeling generous. If you throw in the towel, I'll let you walk out of here scot-free. It was an obvious lie, but I had to try something. The quicker I got them out of there, the better. They didn't respond. In fact, they managed to pick up the pace. They wouldn't be able to hold out forever. And they knew it. Nate and Lady glanced at each other, knowingly, as the three of us skidded to a halt. And again, they split up, trying to zip past me. The second time that night, I had a choice. Tricky little bastards, I muttered, opting to go after Nate. I cut him off, grabbing his arm. Gotcha. You're coming with me, I said, dragging him by the collar. Wow, you don't have to be so rough. I chuckled wryly. Don't have to be rough, huh? I wish you fuckers had been thinking about that when you gave me this. I snarled, pointing to the dark purple bruise blossoming on my cheek. <sighs> okay, point taken. Just loosen up a bit, alright? I reluctantly obliged, still maintaining a firm grip on his shirt. I paused, looking him in the eye. Alright, kid. I know you're just some stupid teenagers who got in over their heads. I'll consider leaving the police out of this if you take me to your friends. Deal? A spark of fear flashed across his pupils. He molded over before begrudgingly meeting my gaze. Fine. I didn't want to come here anyway. We need to go to the food court first. As we came into view of the dining area, I couldn't help but shiver. Everything looked so barren at night. Whereas in the day, the food court would have been bustling with customers. It was now eerily quiet. Nate led straight to Panda Express. The sign loomed ominously above us, casting an unsettlingly dark shadow on the tiled flooring below. Why are we here? I hate to break it to you, but there's no one on duty to cook your orange chicken in low main. Nate scowled at me before calling out to darkness. Laney, you can come out now. A pair of blue eyes peeked up at us before hurriedly ducking back behind the counter. Not with him out there. Laney, it's okay. He said he won't call the cops on us. We'll be fine. She timidly rose, blonde curls bouncing atop her shoulders. You sure? A twinge of annoyance percolated Nate's features. 
Come on, you know I'm not a liar. Just get out here. Laney hesitantly shuffled over to us, staring at the ground. Fine. Let's get Marcus and get out of here. I don't like this place. Lead the way, I said, extending a hand. They shot me a collective glare before obeying. We walked in silence past vacant stands and shops. I couldn't bring myself to look inside the windows. I glanced out at Nate. I'd forgotten that I'd still had an iron grip on his collar. If I let go of you, are you going to run? No. You were already caught was the point. I released him and he adjusted his shirt. Stuffed my hands in my pockets and slowly mustered up the courage to ask the question that had been burning away my conscience since I'd first encountered the trio. So, why did you three come here? I can tell that you're not bad kids. You're here for a reason. The pair shot each other a stern glance. Laney nodded. Nate sighed and spoke. Marcus has a brother who used to work here. He went missing a few months ago, they say. He stayed too late one night. That they got him. There's rumors about this place, you know. About the mannequins. He shivered before continuing. Well, Marcus's brother, Max, had obviously heard them. He was skeptical, so he decided to find out firsthand if they were true. They say that the mannequins came to life after midnight, that if you get unlucky enough to come face to face with them, then they'll claim you as one of their own. My heart pounded against my ribcage like a jackhammer. If Nate was spinning a story, he sure was doing a great job. So what? You think your friend's brother is a mannequin? That's about the most insane thing I've ever heard. Look, I, I didn't say I believe it, okay? Marcus dragged us here so he could try and talk to his brother again. He dragged me here. She came on her own. Nate smirked. Lady blushed, twirling a blonde lock of hair between her fingers. I, I did not. You did too. You butted into our conversation at school the other day. I know you just wanted some alone time with Marcus because you like him. Nate said, making a smoochy face. That's enough, you two. This is it, right? The three of us stood there, gaping at the faded Dillard sign overhead. A sense of trepidation crawled up my spine. I never thought I'd see the day where I was so apprehensive to walk into a clothing store, but there I was. My gaze shifted to the metal gate closing off the shop from the rest of the outlet. It was cracked open. How did you get in there? I muttered. Something told me I shouldn't speak too loudly. The key was with Max's stuff. They gave it to Marcus's family. I nodded. And I checked out. Well, I guess you two should wait. A deafening shriek emanated from the bowels of the darkness before me, sending fear coursing through my veins like venom. Stay here, 
I didn't have to tell them twice. I squeezed through the gap in the fencing, sweat pulling above my brow. I don't know what I expected to find, but it definitely wasn't that. I darted between clothing racks, desperately searching for the source of the terrifying wail. It didn't take me long to find it. I froze, struggling to make sense of what I was seeing. Marcus was being dragged along the floor by an army of stark white figures. The mannequins were... They were moving. All by themselves. Their limbs creaked as they walked, those emotionless polystyrene faces sending my heart in overdrive. No. This couldn't be real. But it was. And I had to do something. Please. I know you're still in there. Don't do this. I love you, Max. Please. Marcus's shrill cry shattered my heart. He only wanted to see his brother again, and unfortunately for him, his wish came true. They didn't react. I squinted, tracing their trajectory. They were taking Marcus to the storage room. I had to stop them. Hey, put him down, you freaks! I cringed at how brittle the words came out. Their heads whipped toward me. Two of them were cocked to the side like curious dogs. They were studying me, sizing me up. Marcus's eyes shimmered with hope. I'm warning you. Put him down, I shouted, brandishing my flashlight. I was seriously regretting leaving my personal taser at home. They stared at me blankly for a tense moment before the lead mannequin pointed a plastic finger at me. I was paralyzed with fear as one of the monstrosities charged toward me at an inhuman speed. I failed to will my legs to move in time. The bear crashed into me, sending us sprawling to the floor. No, leave him alone, Marcus yelled to no avail. The mannequins wrapped their rigid fingers around my arms, effectively immobilizing me. They thrashed and flailed, but they were ridiculously strong. They effortlessly picked me up, carrying me to the entrance. I was forced to watch as Marcus and I grew further and further apart, his panicked whimpers fading into the distance. I suddenly found myself sitting outside the store, staring up at the ghostly white figures lurking among the inky black. One of the mannequins slammed the gate shut, and my heart plummeted into my stomach as I heard the lock click in place. Without a word, they disappeared back into the depths of the shop. Nate rushed over to me, grabbing a fistful of my shirt. What happened, man? Where's Marcus? Tears began to blur my vision. I'd failed. He's gone. Lainey spoke up, startling me. No. There has to be something we can do. I, I mean, maybe we could call the police or... I don't know anything. We can't just leave him here. She cried, unable to contain her tears any longer. Nate let me go, placing a hand on her shoulder. She's right. There's got to be something we can do, he said with fire brimming into his piercing green irises. I solemnly shook my head. No. You saw those things. I promise you I'll do everything in my power to get your friend back. In the meantime, you two need to leave. Go home. No, we... Look at me. 
I said, locking eyes with Nate. The best thing you can do to help Marcus right now is get yourselves out of here. I'll do what I can, okay? He averted his gaze, staring holes into his feet. Okay. We're depending on you, all of us. Let's go, Laney. Laney, he said, his cold visage silencing her. Fine. But we will be back, she said, wiping her wet cheeks. I sighed, pulling out my phone as the teens dejectedly shoveled away. Hey, Mike. Yeah, it's Jeremy. What's wrong, kid? I didn't expect to hear from you so soon. Mike, uh... There's been an incident. Some teenagers snuck in and the mannequins... They took one. Shit. Okay. I'll tell Keenan that I'm taking a shift tomorrow. Lock yourself in the office. I don't think I need to tell you this, but do not come out until morning. Got it? Yeah. See you soon. I spent the remainder of my shift on pins and needles, meticulously scanning the cameras. Every so often, I could see a flash of white streak across one of the store windows. Warning couldn't come soon enough. Mike trudged through the door an hour before opening. He stoically met my gaze before turning around. Come on. I led him back to Dillard's in silence. Golden sunlight glinted off the metal as Mike unlocked the gate. How many were there? Five. Dread seeped into my bones as we passed several of the motionless statues. Now that I really had a chance to drink in their features, the mannequins looked strangely detailed. A slender man with long, wavy hair, a portly woman with an afro, a muscular, hulking figure with bulging veins. I counted five so far, Mike said as we continued on. Me too. As we made our way to the back of the store, my breath caught in my throat. There stood a small, white mannequin. Its mouth was open in a permanent scream, and its frozen fingers clawed at its cheeks. If you're reading this, stay far away from the mall at night. Because if you're not careful, you just might add another mannequin to its collection. You toss me another beer? I implored as Sam reached for the cooler. Got you, bro, he affirmed, lobbing a nice cold coors in my direction. Cracked it open, took a swig. Guns and roses blared through my cheap speaker, drowning the silent and steady onslaught of 80s rock. This is the life, man, Sam proclaimed, bobbing his head in tune with the music. Is it, though? Is it really? We've been out of high school four years. And we have shitty, dead-end jobs, no college degree, and the only socializing we do is with each other. I ranted, it coming off a little more hostile than I intended. It beats drinking alone. You got a point, but... Would you ever just get tired of sitting here listening to the same old songs every weekend? When was the last time we actually got out and 
did something. I mean, we went and picked up pizza last week, that counts, right? Sam quipped, clearly amused with himself. No, that doesn't fucking count, dude. I want to do something exciting, you know? Something that really gets the blood flowing. I asserted, pumping a fist in the air to drive home my point. Honestly? I thought this conversation would come up again. So I came prepared this time. Sam grinned, dragging his backpack onto his lap. He produced a sleek wooden board from his back. I immediately recognized it. A Ouija board. No. No, no, we are not screwing around with that. Nothing good ever comes from that shit. Sounds like someone's a bitch. Sam taunted, crushing his empty beer can and chucking it at my head. No, I just don't want some creepy fucking demon thing following me around for the rest of my life. Well, suit yourself, but if you're not going to join me, I'll just use it alone. I sighed. I knew that tone. When Sam set his mind on something, he was going to follow through with it, whether I was along for the ride or not. And if I wasn't, I'd end up looking like the bad guy. Fine. Five minutes, that's it. Pooh, I knew you'd come around. Yeah, yeah, let's just get this over with. Okay, here's the rules, Sam stated matter-of-factly. Don't take your hand off the planchette for any reason. Don't ask super personal questions. And never, I repeat, never end the game without saying goodbye. Got it? Yeah, got it. I confirmed, glancing anxiously at the candles haphazardly scattered around my basement. Put your hand on the planchette. Alright, now what? Do we just start asking questions? Uh, yeah, I guess. Same shrug. Uh, are there any ghosts here? I sheepishly called out. Blanchett remained motionless. Are there any spirits here with us tonight? Sam probed, but to no avail. It's not working, man. I told you this would be a dumb idea. I chastised, earning me a disapproving scowl. Hold on, I've got something we can try. Sam reached into his back pocket with his free hand and pulled out a small book. I didn't recognize the language printed on the cover. What is that? Don't tell me it's another one of your little creepy cult idols or something. One, those aren't cult idols. They're talismans to ward off evil spirits. And two, this is a spellbook of sorts. It's supposed to attract entities. Come on, dude. A spellbook? We're definitely getting possessed. We aren't getting possessed. Let me read a few incantations, and if nothing happens, we can stop playing. Deal? Fine. But I swear, if some dark force starts haunting me, I'm going to fucking kill you. I threatened, swiping my index finger across my throat. Fine, whatever. He murmured as he thumbed through the pages. Sam finally paused when he reached the page he was looking for. His eyes connected with mine, and a glimmer of excitement flashed through them as he began to read. Sam rattled off several passages of unintelligible jargon before placing the book on the ground beside him. Alright, let's try again. He motioned as a wide smile inched across his face. Uh, okay. 
Is there anyone here with us? I inquired meekly, silently praying we wouldn't receive a response. This time the planchette leapt into motion, flying across the board and stationing itself atop a word. Yes. My head began to swim, my vision became blurry. This couldn't be real. Sam had to be moving the planchette. Right? Sam, this isn't funny. I, I know you moved it. I accused sweat forming at the top of my brow. I promise I didn't. My incantation must have worked. Ask it something else, Sam eagerly demanded. What's your name? The planchette again began to glide around the board until it formed a name. Paymon. I could have sworn the air grew colder as a chill wormed its way up my spine. Candles flickered and a deep sense of unease settled in my gut. Sam resumed questioning it. How old are you? Don't know. When did you die? Didn't. Were you human? No. Are... Are you a demon? Yes. I wanted so badly for the game to end. My brain was caught in a vicious match of tug-of-war. My morbid curiosity hungered to know more about the entity, while fear begged me to put an end to the madness. Ultimately, my nerves went out. Sam, I, I don't want to play anymore. You got what you wanted. You're such a baby. One or two more questions and we can stop. One more question, and then I'm done. Okay, one more. What do you want with us? Blanchett crept across the board, nauseatingly slowly. Souls. A shiver rippled through my entire body. No, that's it, we're done, I insisted, shoving the planchette over goodbye to end the game. It felt as if a veil was lifted as the tension in the surrounding atmosphere dissipated. I turned to Sam. All the color had drained from his face, and he stared at me wide-eyed. I could tell he didn't expect things to escalate like that. We are never touching that thing again, he squeaked. Agreed. Sam left soon after, and I hit the hay the second he slipped out the door. Our encounter with the occult had left me mentally exhausted. Sleep had no trouble finding me, and I snoozed soundly until I awoke with a start in the middle of the night. I bolted upright in bed, body drenched in a cold sweat. My eyes darted around the pitch-black room. It was too dark to see. I still have a tough time trying to describe the feeling, but it was like I could just sense a presence. I fumbled blindly for my bedside lamp switch. Fully expected the strange sensation to fade as dim yellow light bathed the room in a soft glow, but it didn't. 
I whipped my head to the right. I let out a deafening, soul-shattering scream as fear flooded through me. Just outside the perimeter of the light stood a man. His clothing was well-tailored, but looked far outdated. He wore a faded brown jacket and a gold pocket watch dangling from within. His legs were adorned with matching slacks and his feet donned sleek black dress shoes. A light tweed flat cap shielded his eyes. The man didn't so much as flinch at my sudden outburst. Who the hell are you? Get out of my fucking house! I timidly shrieked, brandishing an empty beer bottle as a makeshift weapon. The man remained silent, and then looked up at me, revealing his face. Despite how well-dressed he was, the man's face was completely butchered. The left side was engulfed in a dark purple bruise, and nasty gash appeared to have eviscerated his left eye. Deep lacerations enveloped his entire face. The right corner of his mouth was slit, revealing shattered, broken teeth. He glowered at me menacingly. I'd never witnessed such an expression of pure, loathing hatred. I froze. I suddenly wished I was invisible. That horrid glare was enough to send the incredible Hulk running for the hills. The man began to take a step toward me. That was enough to release me from my stupor. I scooped up my phone and darted out of my house, slamming the door behind me. I instantly called the cops, and they said they'd send a squad car out immediately. It was only then that I realized I was standing out in my front lawn in nothing but my tidy whiteies. After ten agonizing minutes of freezing in the November cold, the cops finally arrived. They did a quick sweep of the property and returned empty-handed. Son, are you certain you saw someone in your home? Beefy cop asked me, suspicion seeping into his words. Yes, I'm sure. He was standing over my damn bed for fuck's sake. Sir, I need you to calm down. Have you taken any drugs recently? About alcohol. His twiggy partner questioned. No, I haven't done any drugs lately. I seethed, purposely failing to mention the seven beers I downed a few hours prior. Look, let me just show you where he was. Maybe you can pull some fingerprints or something. The pair shot each other an annoyed glance before frustratingly following me inside. I led them to my room and rounded the corner. I stopped dead in my tracks, causing the skinny officer to bump into me. Alright, let's keep him moving, he uttered. I pointed a shaking finger at the man who was standing stock still in the corner of my room. His hateful expression hadn't faltered, instantly sending waves of fear pulsating through my body. He's right there, don't you see him? I shouted, bewildered at the officer's lack of emotion. Son, if this is some kind of prank, we'll have you detained for falsifying a police report. The muscular officer snapped, clearly nettled by my revelation. No, this isn't a prank, I swear, there's a man standing right there. I reiterated, jabbing a finger toward my unwelcome guest. Okay, we're going to be leaving now. We'll let you off with a warning this time, but if you prank call us again, we will have you arrested. His partner promised. They turned and marched to the door, leaving me standing in the doorway to my room, bemused and slack-jawed at their accusation. Fucking tweaker, man. 
One of them muttered as they slammed the door so hard that it rattled my framed photographs hanging on the wall. All the while, the man hadn't moved a muscle. I could feel his spiteful gaze burning a hole in my chest. Okay, fuck this. I gotta get out of here. I whispered under my breath. I methodically picked up my discarded clothes from the day before, never taking my eyes off the man for a second. I didn't want to risk him lunging toward me if I let my guard down. I began to slip on my shoes when his face suddenly contorted into a demented smile. An evil, sadistic grin runs rampant through my nightmares. His ruined face lit up like someone had just told him the funniest knock-knock joke in the world and he started laughing. His dry cackling grew louder and louder, crescendoing into a deafening roar of twisted amusement. I snatched my keys from the nightstand and sprinted out of my house faster than an Olympic athlete. I tossed my clothes in the passenger seat, not bothering to put them on as I peeled out of my driveway. I flew down the desolate streets, checking my rearview mirror every half second until I reached the Walmart parking lot. Don't judge. I was afraid and had nowhere else to go. I reconciled on sleeping there for the night in lieu of the town's dank motel. I spent hours attempting to quell the fear and anxiety surging through my veins, and somehow I managed to drift into a fitful slumber. I was woken abruptly by a knock on my window. I winced as sunlight flooded into my sleep-addled eyes, temporarily blinding me. I instinctively rolled down the window and was met with a disheveled man wearing dirty, tattered clothing, sporting an impressively long, grisly gray beard. Spare some change, he rasped, extending a meaty palm. Dude, I'm sleeping in a Walmart parking lot in my fucking boxers. Do I look like I have extra money lying around? Didn't have to be so rude about it. I felt a twinge of guilt for snapping at him as he trommed away. A tiny bit of remorse was quickly substituted for a full-blown panic when I saw her. About fifty yards away stood a woman. She was drenched head to toe in blood, and her appendages were bent at weird angles. Her arms were twisted outward and extended forward like she was ready to embrace me in a mortifying hug. Her knees buckled inward, barely supporting her emaciated body. And that face. Her features were mangled and distorted. Her nose had been pulverized into a fleshy stump, and her face was caved in. Lower jaw hanging on by a thread. Though all the blood and viscera, she bore that same loathing expression as the man from my room. One that chilled me to my core and left me rooted to my seat. I watched helplessly as she began to awkwardly shuffle toward my vehicle. She was mere feet away from me when I finally regained a mobility, and I didn't stick around to find out what she wanted. I slammed the car into drive and floored it out of there. I continued driving in a daze. Thankfully, the streets were far more populated than the night before, granting me a sliver of solace. I knew I had to get to the bottom of this. I called Sam. He picked up on my third try. Sam, what the fuck did you get us into? I'm seeing fucking dead people everywhere. What kind of curse did you put on us? I furiously screamed, a cocktail of emotions overwhelming me. 
Listen, man, I know you're pissed and probably scared as shit. Just meet me at the house and I'll explain everything. Sounded like he hadn't slept all night. You got a lot of explaining to do. I raged, hanging up on him. I headed to Sam's place, gripping the wheels so tightly my knuckles turned white. I noticed at least half a dozen mutilated corpses interspersed on the side of the road along the way. Dark, lifeless eyes only intensified the impending sense of doom that had flooded over me. Car crash victims, I quickly realized. I had no idea my town had so many. After ten excruciating minutes, I finally arrived at Sam's house. I stormed up to his doorstep and hammered on his front door. Sam, let me in, you dumbass! I cried into the cream-colored wood. Just a second. He fiddled with the lock and cracked open the door. I shoved my way past him and burst into his living room. I don't know what the fuck you did, but you better fix... Words caught in my throat and I spun around to face him. Wow, dude, you look like shit. I muttered ruefully. Sam had clearly been struggling with our recent malediction. His hair was a tangled, unkempt rat's nest of greasy brown locks. His eyes were bloodshot like he hadn't slept in some time, donning deep purple bags underneath. Sullen defeat was written across his countenance. Yeah, I know, I look like I just crawled out of a sewer drain, but that's not the point. Oh yeah? Well, what is the point if you'd be so kind to fill me in? I fumed, roiled at his lack of an explanation. You remember that spellbook I used? I frowned. Yeah, what about it? Well, it turns out, one of those incantations I recited may have caused us to see dead people. I told you it was a bad idea, I hissed, glaring at him intensely. I know. I've been up all night trying to figure out a way to reverse it. Obviously, I haven't had any luck. Shouldn't be too hard. Let's just look up how to undo the effects in that creepy-ass book of yours. Yeah, well, here's the thing about that book. I, I got it from some old hippie lady, and uh, she said it's one of a kind, and... And what? I'm listening... What he said next filled my soul with dread. I thought it would break the spell, so... I burned it. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed tonight's stories. If you did, let me know which one was your favorite down in the comment section below. Also, while you're down there, let me know. Have you ever had an experience with a Ouija board? You ever tried it? You ever know someone who tried it and had something weird happen with them? I'd love to hear your experiences. I personally never had any experiences, but I was like maybe nine or ten when I tried one, and we bought it from like Walmart. So let me know down in the comment section below if you have had any experience with it. I would love to hear it. As always, stay safe out there. <laughs>